Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 52. Now, I've been talking about this a little bit for the podcast leading up to this, and so this is a big podcast for me. It may not be for you guys, but it's definitely a milestone for me, so I want to take a moment and celebrate it. This means that I've been doing this officially for a year now, and uh, as I kind of go through and look at the range of speakers that we've had or guests that we've had on the podcast, I'm just blown away by, first of all, the people that have been willing to come on and share their stories with our group and and with this podcast. And so if you haven't had an opportunity or you're just joining into the podcast and checking out some of the content that we have here, I really encourage you to go back and look at some of the guests and tune into some of those things. I'll say this, I was not the best podcast host in probably episode one through 10. It's that's kind of how this stuff works. So I apologize for that. But if you tune into some of the content, even going back to episode, I think it's two with Sean Copeland, just the, the content that was in there and just the, the, the willingness that Sean had to share his heart and uh, kind of open up his world to, to the group, I thought was fantastic. And that for me was such an encouraging moment because uh, I knew that I was passionate about this, about one or two podcasts, and I just really enjoyed it. And I hope that you guys can kind of see that over time. But as I've been able to do it, and as I've been able to have the conversations to speak to all the different guests that we've had, it's just it's just reinvigorated everything that I do. And uh, I hope that you guys are seeing that same benefit. Obviously, if you've been sticking around for some of these podcasts uh, through all 52, thank you for doing that. If you're just tuning in, welcome. We're, we're excited uh, to have you here. I, I want to take this moment and, 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 and celebrate the podcast. But at the same time, I'm actually really excited about the guests that I have today uh, with it being such a big podcast for me and, and really kind of coming full circle on a year with this. Uh, I wanted to make sure that the guest I had on the show was somebody that I thought was going to bring a lot of value and a lot of insight to the audience. And so I'm putting a lot of pressure on him right now and he doesn't even know it, but uh, I want to introduce Bo Davis. Bo Davis is the Chief Operating Officer for United States Beef Corporation. U.S. Beef is the largest Arby's restaurant franchise in the world, with over 350 Arby's restaurant locations in nine contiguous Midwestern and Western states. He is responsible for directing and coordinating the training, development, evaluation, and advancement of over 7,800 U.S. Beef employees working in restaurant operations. So, Bo, first and foremost, thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast. I'm actually really excited because I am not in my normal podcast spot here. I've actually come to Bo's office, and he is a podcast host as well. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But first and foremost, Bo, thank you for joining us on the podcast. And uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. First of all, Evan, thank you, number one, for for having me. I've listened to the Young Businessman of Tulsa podcast 
and I've really enjoyed it. I lean on you for ideas and tips and tricks. So, you know, I'm behind you. I'm getting ready to release episode 30. So I've got a lot you're to catching learn. me. Yeah. But you're just really proud of, of the work that you're doing there. And so, and I've listened to some of the amazing people that you had on there. So to be asked to be even a part of the show is humbling and amazing. So thank, thank you. Honestly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So like you said, uh, chief operating officer at us beef. And I'll tell you when I was first, you know, offered that position, first thing I did was Google, what does a COO do? Yeah. And it is all over the board, but here at USB, if I'm responsible for the training and development of our amazing employees. And I think at the, at the leadership level in this company, all of us are responsible for driving USB culture, which we call the compass. So mm. that's, I feel like my, if, if I could narrow my job down to two words, it's drive compass. That's it. That's awesome. Well, I think if some of you guys are familiar with USB core, you're, you're recognizing the last name a little bit. And so I'd like to kind of start in a little bit on that side of it. Cause you're actually third generation Davis in USB core. So if you don't mind, talk a little bit about growing up with um, knowing that this whole thing was going on and what ultimately drew you to becoming a part of the company. So my biological father, some of, you know, some may know me from, being Jeff's son, who yeah. Jeff is uh, chairman of, of United States Beef Corporation. And Jeff was on the podcast. He was actually one of our mentor forums and, and shared, I want to say about four or five weeks ago. So you actually got to hear directly from Bo's, Bo's dad. And, you know, so my biological father, Steve, some of you may know me as, as Steve's son too, because mm -hmm. Steve was quarterback at University of Oklahoma. Football season is, is right upon us. So yes, sir. It's, it's a good time to, to bring up dad, but, um, Steve was uh, my biological father. And so from a, an early age, he really instilled, um, a competitive energy and drive determination. And, um, I was pretty uncomfortable or excuse me. I was pretty comfortable early on having, uh, to deal with unrealistic expectations of, mm -hmm. you know, shoes that there, there's no way I could fill those shoes. Mm -hmm. Going to the grocery store, going out to eat. He stopped constantly, you know, signing autographs or, or whatever it happens to be. And, uh, but to me, he was just dad and he was really, really big on just be your own person, blaze your own trail. Don't feel like you have to, you know, this isn't a live up to an expectation situation. So when my mom uh, ended up marrying Jeff, I was like, oh, good. Just a normal guy, right? He just <laughs> got a couple of, you know, fast food restaurants, whatever. You know, I was six, uh -huh. five or six. And, you know, just just a normal guy. So uh, boy, was I wrong. Yeah. <laughs> He's, you know, a, a huge titan in the industry and a role model to so many. He has impacted the lives of countless folks. So... I feel like I was prepped kind of for that feeling of inadequacy early on. And uh, that's actually kind of helped keep me centered and focused on just really doing the best that I possibly can. I've got great leaders to follow yeah. and, and my two dads, and uh, they've laid great examples for me. And so it's really just been about connecting um, my passions to uh, what I see out there in, in the workforce, at home, at church, wherever it happens to be, they've been really big on that. And that's blazing your own trail. 
no matter who's been, you know, your, your dad. Yeah. As I heard your story the first time and was able to talk to you and get to know you, I was really impressed by how you responded to all of that. Because I think a lot of times when we're in situations or you look at, you know, some other people that have famous siblings or famous uh, parents or whatever else, and usually one of two things happens. It's either they continue on with what that parent has done and because they're prepped into it. And the other side of it is they completely go the opposite direction and turn away from almost logic at that point. They're just like, I'm checked out. I don't have responsibility. I don't have to worry about this stuff. And they kind of go on to do whatever they want. And so I think that's the easier choice. In my opinion, I think that a lot of times, like if I were in that situation, it'd be really easy for me to mentally check out and be like, Hey, I'm good, man. I'm going to get a boat in Miami and just, you know, live my life and have a good old time. So for you to recognize that at such a young age and then ultimately continue down that path to the point where, you know, you're third generation in the business, third generation businesses are, as we've talked to some other people that are third generation, it's, it's really tough because you have the dynamic of, uh, the, the founder and then your, your family and your family's involved in that too. And it's like that work-life balance really gets merged together. So, um, I want to compliment you on first and foremost, taking that jump and, and really being passionate about it. But at the same time, I would encourage people, if you're in that situation and you're listening and you're saying to yourself, man, I, you know, my, my dad does this, or my mom does that, or, or my sibling does this. And, you know, they get all the attention and, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do with yourself. I think it's really important to to listen to that advice of blaze your own path because your path is not my path. If I am always comparing what I'm doing to what you're doing, the best I'll be is second best. I will never be Bo Davis and you will never be Jeff Davis. I mean, that's and, and you're not designed to be. That was not what you were created to be. You have a unique set of skills that may be similar to that other person. But when it ultimately comes down to it, people are going to follow you because you're you, not because you are somebody's son or somebody's, um, you know, brother or sister or whatever else. So I think that right there just in itself is a fantastic nugget to grip onto. And it, it may be the other way. It, it may be a situation where you're in life saying, my dad is a failure. My mom is a failure. I, I don't even know my parents. That doesn't necessarily mean that you are destined to be a failure either you have the same opportunity that somebody does on the complete opposite side to turn it around and blaze your own path. So I want to encourage you guys, no matter what end of the spectrum you're listening from, know that the path that you're on is yours for a reason. And you have the unique set of skills that nobody else has to take the path that you take. Embrace that. That is something that you absolutely have an, a unique opportunity to do. And if anything, it, that's what you were created to be created to do. So, um, thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'm real excited, um, to see all of the things that you are able to implement into us beef that is a lot different than probably what, you know, your, your dad even thought about, or, you know, the, the, the generations before him. So one thing I do want to talk about though, is that turning point for you, because it, when we talked before, it wasn't always about, like, I'm going to go work with Jeff at U.S. Beef Corps. It was you had kind of started on your own path. And at the at the time, your path looked a little bit different. So talk a little bit about kind of the direction that you were going or, or what thoughts were going through your mind and then how that eventually turned back to where you decided to embrace uh, what was going on here. 
Yeah, I think some of you know the the journey I took is probably natural, either mm-hmm. in a in a family business or you know, like you said, if 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 you have a, a parent who, who's been in the spotlight, been well known for doing something. Mm-hmm everyone, there's kind of this assumption that, well, that's what, you know, that's what they're going to do too. So, you know, I started bucking the trend by quitting football after my sophomore year in high school (laughs) and played baseball, went to university of Missouri. So, and the cool thing about that is, you know, dad, Steve, super supportive the entire way. I don't think I've ever been as nervous in my life as that moment when he and I were going to go out to lunch and I was going to tell him that I decided to quit football. Oh yeah. (laughs) And I mean, God is good because I'm sitting down. I can't, we were at peppers and it was at 61st and and Sheridan and you know, free chips and salsa. I I can't even get one down. I'm so scared. And out of the blue dad says, with the kind of year you had in baseball, have you thought about just really putting all your eggs in that basket and concentrating on, on baseball and you're, you're, you're good at football and you know, you continue to play that, but I think playing college baseball would just be the coolest experience. And I just started crying because it's like, how did, how did you, you know, where'd that come from? <laughs> and so I'd kind of had, you know, this idea that I want to continue on that path, doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. Nobody can say that I was riding the coattails of, you know, my dad's. Yeah. And so I kind of looked at, you know, I, I played baseball and then my last year I was a bartender at a Spanish restaurant and really liked kind of the full service side of things. And so I interviewed with a couple of full service restaurants based out of Kansas City. Liked it. Thought there was a good opportunity there. But it was April of my senior year. And there's just kind of that pit in your stomach. Like this is getting ready to be real. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting ready to make a big decision. And so I'm going to get some counsel from from Jeff, somebody that I knew at that point knew the restaurant industry inside and out. What insight can he provide? Uh, he didn't give me one sales pitch on coming to work for U.S. Beef. Uh, not one. Yeah. He never once tried to recruit me. He was always open and honest about what this industry offered and what it meant to be a part of the family business, but was very much you do what you need to do and, and we'll support you. You make good decisions and you be a, you know, a good man and a good Christian man and, and we got your back. Mm-hmm. He told me when I was struggling with that, he said, you need to write down the things that are most important to you and you need to put it on paper and then run those things through your options and see if the options of the different groups that you're talking to how closely aligned are those things? What are you able and willing to do at these different concepts and how tightly are those things connected? Mm -hmm. And when I did that, it was like a a lightning bolt of, I want to go work for the family business. (laughs) I, I want everything that I want and need is there. And then that I'd never felt before, there was like this sense of pride of kind of, you know, being a bannerman for, for us beef and carrying the, the torch and to be a third generation was really, really scary and exciting. And so that's kind of when the pivot came from blazing my own trail. And then I realized, you know what, I can blaze my own trail 
and still go to work for U.S. beef. <laughs> Win-win, right? Yeah, so absolutely. That's kind of how that that went down. Well, I love how you talked about writing down what was important to you because ultimately you had to do some self-reflection at that point and say, "Who am I? What what am I? What brings me life? What's that one degree that?" Dave Jewett talks about what are the things that I do? Like I'm good at these things, but what are also the things that I'm good at and I really enjoy doing? And I think a lot of times we don't take that time to do that self-analysis on ourselves to say, what do I like? Mm -hmm. Am I just doing this for the purpose of making money? Or am I just doing this for the purpose of, I think I should be doing this or somebody told me that I'm good at this. And so therefore I'm doing it. And then you turn around and look 10 years later and you sit there, go, you sit there and you go, uh, I'm not happy. Mm. I don't, I don't enjoy this. I, I have, I have money. I have success air quotes. I have, I have what I perceive to be success, but I feel so empty. Mm. And I think a lot of times if they had just taken that moment and identified and done that reflection inside of themselves and said, what is the thing that I want to do? What is important to me? What do, what do I want to accomplish? And then find the careers or find the the paths that line up with that and start going down those paths. When you're able to do that, you're, you're able to take a much more intentional path in life. Um, I think in some of the past podcasts we talked about is, is the importance of your, your 20s, 30s, and 40s. In your 20s, you feel like you have all the time in the world. So, And it's because... Literally, you do have a lot more time. You don't have kids. You don't have mortgage payments and responsibilities, and you're not on boards of directors and all this other stuff. You just have you have a lot of time. So you have the ability to go pursue all the different things you want. But as you get into your 30s, 40s, and 50s, your responsibilities increase. And as those responsibilities increase, your time is constrained. And so you have to be more strategic about doing the things that are important to you. And if you're able to tune into that in your 20s and 30s, um, by the time you get in your 50s and 60s, you're not going to be looking back going, what happened? So I applaud you for for looking back, reflecting, and taking that advice uh, that Jeff gave you because that was really good advice. And, I, and that's one of the reasons that we have this podcast is we want to share those clues that success leaves behind because something as simple as that can literally change the direction of your life. I personally wish I had done that a little bit sooner. I actually defaulted into some things because I found things that I liked and I knew that I was good at and they were able to converge at some point. It doesn't always work out that way. So if anything, I would challenge the people listening today, take a little bit of an inventory, take a little bit of time to self-reflect. I mean, we have um, you know, just an hour during work on your, on your lunch break or whatever it is. Take that time, write it down. And I think you'd be surprised what you see. And then it comes to like that gut check time Am I willing to make the change to pursue the thing that, that I want to do? And, and you made that change. And as I was talking to you about it, you, you told me that you didn't start out in corporate. You, uh, oh, no. <laughs> you got a, a unique opportunity to start from the very entry level and work your way up. So talk a little bit about that. What are some of the things that you learned starting all the way to the point of just working behind a counter to running a store to, to running a district? What, what, what was that like for you? Every Davis family member in high school works at Arby's. Yeah. You work behind the counter. You, that is just a, uh, I, I think it is, you know, a, it's about appreciation, being so thankful for 
you know, the life that, that we live and that every single day people show up, go to work, serve guests, make great food. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we are, are so lucky beyond belief to, to be in, in the situation that we're in. So it is good to know that it's really about the hard work that takes place in the restaurants mm -hmm. is, is, is what, um, has taken care of us for, for so many years. So when I started out, I worked at the downtown Tulsa location mm -hmm. as an assistant manager trainee, went through the training program, just like anybody else would short sleeve shirt and tie. I still have my management staff name tag over there on the board just to help keep me, you know, focused on what's truly important. And I remember very vividly working at that downtown location and there would be folks that would be coming down from, you know, their bank jobs or their oil and gas jobs that, you know, maybe I kind of knew in high school that are like, dude, what <laughs> happened to you? What? Wow. Yeah. You're working at Arby's <laughs> and it's like, yeah, and it's awesome. So can I get you a Jamocha shake, buddy? Yes. Uh, so really just, you know, it was really important to Jeff and my uncle John, you've got to learn operations. Mm. You know, that is kind of the lifeblood of U.S. beef. There are no cash registers here at the support center. And so you've got to know what makes those tick mm -hmm. and no free rides, man no free rides. If I didn't make it through training, they were not going to bail me out. They made that abundantly clear, <laughs> very much so. So um, it was a great learning experience. And I was able to work my way up from an assistant manager, got to run my own store at 71st Memorial. It's no longer there. So mm -hmm. I don't know what that says about my ability to run and sustain. Um, <laughs> they widened that, that road, I think. We'll just call it that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's other stuff, I guess. But no, um, and it was really at the general manager level where, you know, people talk about that light bulb moment. And mm -hmm. I hope that I have many, many more. Yeah. But this is the one that really changed things for me. And I'd been a general manager for about six months. And I had one day that I remember vividly it, anything that could go wrong went wrong that day. Mm -hmm. So my, my prep person, Miss Helen, was... <laughs> in a bit of a mood. We were just kind of struggling to get the restaurant ready. Everything was like in slow motion. I was moving slow, wasn't feeling great. And I had an employee that I had to continue to correct him not to pick an ear. He kept picking an ear when he was talking to guests. And you just have one of those moments where it's like, what am I doing? What, where am I? Yeah. <laughs> What's happening here? And you know, one of the things that I wrote down on, on the list uh, with Jeff is I need variety and I need to be able to, to mix it up. And being a general manager is so much about routine. Yeah. So much about same thing every day, day in, day out. Get good at the routine. Life becomes really, really simple. And so it was wearing on me. Mm -hmm. And I remember driving home that day and I had tears coming down my face yeah. and uh, got myself together. First time I'd called Jeff. You know, Jeff, mom is, is real big on not talking shop at home. So, um, I called Jeff and just said, man, I'm, I'm struggling Yeah. and I'm trying to see what, you know, if you have any advice of what's on the other side, it's just, you know, I, I, I don't know if I can do this. I, I don't know if I can keep doing this. How long do I have to do this? And, um, his advice really changed my perspective. And it was number one, first and foremost, something to the degree of get over yourself. Yeah that there are 
I think at the time, about 250 general managers that get up and do what you're doing every single day. Yeah. And they may not have some of the opportunities that you're going to have. So I'm sorry if this has been hard for the six weeks you've been doing it, but you need to get (laughs) over yourself. And number two, if you don't like where you are right now, if you want to move up, if you want to become a district manager, then focus your energy on training your replacement. Get somebody ready to go. That's the only way you're going to move up. I'm not going to promote you to district manager if you have not trained a general manager to take your place. Mm -hmm. And it was like, first of all, how's that humble pie taste? Yes. Well, it was a little bitter that day. And then second of all, just light bulb of that's it. That's, and the whole perspective changed. The next day, things changed. It wasn't routine anymore. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't system-based anymore. It was all about making good things happen for other people. And I, I totally flipped what success meant. And success then became who can I put in a position to really be successful? And, oh, man, there's so much energy there, so much energy when when you start working from that perspective. Well, I love that you talked about looking outside of yourself at that point. And and you really actually were doing it in some capacity before then because you were serving other people, but you were serving them food. Mm. But I think think what you realized as you had that humble pie was – that you actually had to serve your team. Yeah. And when you started serving your team, the entire world changed. And we talked about a little bit before we started recording that it, it's, it's all about people. Yeah. You're in a business, you're in a service business. The product is food. It's delicious Jamocha shakes. <laughs> but ultimately, it's a person-to-person interaction. Whether that person be the customer, whether that manager be to employee, whether that be... Um, district manager to manager, whatever it is, all of the relationships, all of those different things come together to create what is USB of core and ultimately your culture, which I definitely do want to talk about. But I love how you were able to kind of show in that, that story and kind of share with, with us the things that you went through with that, because I think that's something that people go through on a daily basis. You know, there's that little bit of self-pity, that little bit of what have I got myself into? And it's okay to have those feelings. That is completely normal. That's not something for you to, to look back and just be like, man, I hate my job. It's just, this stinks. Every day is the, the same and it's, it's, it's just not good. People that are successful have those feelings. People that are unsuccessful have those feelings. That's, that's normal. Hmm. What separates the successful people from the unsuccessful people is what they act on, what they do, how they take that information and make it their own and, and change it. And, and I think that once you kind of had that seed planted in your mind of in order for you to grow, you need to, you need to teach somebody else. And that's where that, that difference came into play. If you start do, going above and beyond the job that you've are contracted to do, or that you've agreed to do, that's where promotion comes because if you do exactly the job that you were hired to do in that store, he would never need to move you up because you're doing exactly what he wanted you to do. But when you started going above and beyond and looking to develop people to replace you, that's when the promotion came because you actually covered the things that you needed to do. And you went above and beyond, probably above and beyond in the capacity that, you know, you weren't, you weren't getting paid to go above and beyond to do that. But by doing that, that's where the promotion came in. Awesome. Well, I want to skip ahead a little bit now because, you know, talking about all those different things is great, but now we're in a completely different role. Now we're 
in the corporate office, you're you're still pretty young. That's why you're on the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. But right when you're a younger guy coming into corporate, you find yourself COO of seven hundred or seven thousand eight hundred employees. That's that's a lot to to kind of process. And I'm pretty sure you googled COO on that um, and scrolled through that for quite <laughs> some time. Whenever you did that, I think what happened when I was talking to you was you, you kind of tried to figure out like, what am I going to do to make this my own? Right. Mm. And we talked a little bit about culture and you told me a story of in 2015, you really realized that just saying that you have a culture is not enough. You actually have to be intentional with creating your culture. So if you don't mind, talk a little bit about how you got into to the point where, where, where compass became your culture, where it became defined and ultimately how implementing that culture has really a- affected change in the USB core franchise. So first and foremost, we've always had a very strong culture and a very unique culture. You know, we started mm-hmm. in 1969 and with one restaurant. Yeah. So that's a lot of growth and, you know, we've expanded obviously quite a bit and especially over the last, you know, five to 10 years, the expansion has has been huge. So the culture has always been strong, Mm -hmm. but it's been very much an approach of once you come in, you'll, you'll feel it, man. Yeah. You know, we, we don't, it's all goosebumps. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We all, we kind of, um, rejected the standard corporate culture jargon, because I think we were so afraid that it was going to be a mission statement in the lobby Mm -hmm. or core values on the wall, and it would just ring hollow. And that is almost worse than having nothing. In fact, in my opinion, (laughs) having a a culture that nobody follows is worse than saying you'll feel it. So I think that was our initial fear in terms of really crossing that line of saying, okay, we're going to do some work here. So couple of things happened. Number one, we went in and acquired about 50 locations in the Denver market. Mm-hmm. And that included uh, some stores in Wyoming and, and Idaho. This was the first time that I can recall and that I'd been a part of an acquisition where we took over restaurants from a company that had a very strong, clearly defined company culture. Mm-hmm. And so I remember going up to Denver and I was meeting with the uh, the leadership of that region and from the former company that were going to be transitioning over to us beef. And most of their questions centered around culture. And I found myself very uncomfortable trying to explain. I could tell that saying you'll feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, once you work for a while, you'll feel it. You'll get the hang of it. You know, we're very hands-on. We, you know, we do this and we do that. You'll, you'll get the hang of it. I found myself very uncomfortable because I could see by the look on their faces that that was not good enough. Mm-hmm. And that immediately kind of put them in an apprehensive position where I, I don't necessarily know how to be successful here <laughs> Yeah, because I don't know what's truly important. Mm-hmm. And this guy's just saying, I'll feel it. Yeah. Well, let's hope. Yeah. Right. So that was kind of the first thing was when we're trying to onboard, you know, a, a large amount of folks having something to say, man, this is who we are mm-hmm. would have been really, really helpful. Second thing. And this is kind of a weird way to, to kind of get hit upside the head with a, a brick of truth. I was looking for 
a provider for a learning management system. We didn't have one. Yeah. We didn't have any e-learning or any online training. That was a project I was working on. I found a group that I loved their content. Uh, they created content and they had a learning management system and it was like perfect. Mm -hmm. And I thought they misquoted me when they gave me the price because I was like, Oh my gosh, they, they don't know how much that's worth, but <laughs> this is great. And I got an email from the uh, CEO of the company. I dealt with him maybe once, but I've been talking to salespeople mostly. And he, uh, basically withdrew themselves from consideration of being our partner Yeah, because he felt like our industry, uh, our concept kind of flew in the face of some of the values of not only their company, but of some of their existing clients. Wow. And my initial reaction was very naturally, uh, what, you're, <laughs> whatever, dude, you, you are an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Do you know how much money you just tossed? You know, we're going to have, eventually 8,000 employees on, on this deal. So fine, idiot, go ahead, Yeah, write us off. And then one of those things that just kind of kept grinding on me of, is there anything at U.S. Beef that we hold so dear mm -hmm. that would cause us to walk away from an opportunity like they did? Mm -hmm. All their faults, what, whatever, it is very clear to me what that organization, what's important to them. Mm -hmm. And that is huge. And so it was just kind of a, that's what I, that's what I think we need at USB. If we need to have a culture so strong that we know so clearly what's important to us, what drives us and why we're here, that we're even willing to say no to opportunities or say yes to risks if it supports our mission and why we exist. Mm -hmm. So after that, I just became real annoying with the executive team until they agreed <laughs> to do it. <laughs> well, I love that story. And, and when you, I think when you told me that story the first time, I literally got goosebumps because I'm like, wow, somebody was so passionate about their culture that they were willing to say no to what I would deem a big opportunity. I mean, if you, if you say the name U.S. Beef Corp, a lot of people know what that means and people would probably line up in front of your office to have an opportunity to have a conversation with your business. And this business was not just saying, well, this, I don't think this is fit. They were just saying, no, like this is, yeah. this is not, not for us. And that's a huge gut check right there because financially it probably wasn't the smartest thing for them to do. But when it ultimately came down to it, they were trying to protect not just themselves, but their customers as well. And that's, that says in, in my mind a lot. So, so the, the 54 or $64,000 question is, do you believe that your culture now is so strong that you would say no to somebody who is trying to work with you? Here, here's what I do now is that I know exactly why we exist. Yeah. I know exactly what my job is every single day. Yeah. And that is to provide opportunities for personal, professional growth, development, and advancement. Mm -hmm. That is every single employee that you are charged with that from day one. That's why we exist. And if we stop doing those things, then we're not the same company anymore. Mm -hmm. We are fundamentally altered, changed, different. Yeah. And so that, there is so much power there to know that, you know, what am I doing? How am I spending my time? You know, am I focusing on the right things? Mm -hmm. are, are you providing opportunities for personal? Well, if you're doing those things, yeah. then yeah, you are. Yeah. 
If you're not, then no, you're not. So <laughs> switch those gears and figure out how you can take your energy and apply it and pour it into somebody else. Yeah. And I think it's important to have that kind of gold standard or, or scorecard or whatever it is to hold yourself to, because me personally, I realized that I need feedback. I need to know how I'm doing. And I was in an environment before, um, where I, that was always fulfilled for me. And so work went by great. I always felt like things were going good. I was, I felt empowered. I felt like I was doing everything that I needed to do. And then some things changed and the person that I was working with wasn't doing that anymore. They were in a different area. And I had this chasm of just unknowing how I was doing. And the only way that I knew how I was doing was my, my P and L. So, mm. and sometimes the P and L can be really, really rude and yes. just, just be real mean <laughs> to you. And if, if that's the only thing that you look at and you have not defined, like, these are the things that I need to be doing on a day-to-day basis, then you feel like a failure all the time and you feel lost. And so whether it's culture, whether it's employees or whatever else, it's nice to have, it's imperative to have that defined so that when it ultimately comes down to it, you can always look back to that and say, am I doing what I should be doing? Am I focusing on the right things? And that will keep you centered. Uh, I'm going to assume that the compass is an analogy for kind of giving you that direction of, of, of where you should go and, and, and having that culture and having that idea of if we're doing these things, we're headed in the right direction. And at some point, as we continue down this path and we march forward, we're going to end up in the destination or the area that we're trying to reach. And so that's what, if you don't have, and and you're in business or you're in life or whatever else, if you don't have that mission statement, that values, it's not just words on a wall or on a piece of paper. It is literally the thing that helps you gauge where you're at on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, I remember when we were sitting on our retreat coming up with this stuff and, you know, one of the things that's real obvious when you're kind of listing some of the attributes of your company and you're working through this is, you know, we, we, we build a lot of restaurants, we remodel a lot of restaurants. And if you can imagine the, what it does for you when you know that you're building lots of restaurants to provide opportunities and jobs as opposed to building opportunity or building restaurants for sales. And so we bought it, we got to develop people. Yeah. Yeah. So which one is really driving it's we're building restaurants so that we can live out our mission and mm-hmm. provide opportunities. We're not doing it for sales. If that, that, that's, you know, that is a lovely benefit of it, but we are here to provide opportunities for personal professional growth development and advancement. And, once you turn that switch on, you can't, you can't turn it off. Man. And it's, it's exciting to see what's happening. And I'll say this, when, when you're doing it just for the sales, customers can tell. Oh yeah. They, they know. I mean, for sure. If, if you're in that situation where your business is solely sales focused, the quality goes down, the um, customer service goes down, just the, everything just starts to get sucked into that, that vacuum. And next thing you know, is it's a shell of, of what it used to be. And you're sitting there going, man, remember when such and such used to be a cool place to go to? And you just wanted to walk around and you just wanted to be there. You just yeah. wanted to be a part of it. And now it's just like, all they want to do is sell you a lotion or whatever it is. You know, it's, it, it completely took all of the experience out of it. And so if you're 
in that situation and you're, you're sitting there going, man, are we that sales focus? Ask your, ask your customers, ask your employees. They'll tell you. And unfortunately they'll probably be pretty honest with you. Oh yeah. They'll, they'll tell you exactly which direction you're going because they're on the front lines. They're the ones that are talking to the customers. They're the ones who are, are in that entire situation that, that basically powers the entire operation. They're, they're the ones that know. I want to talk a little bit about your podcast because okay. since we've talked about culture and we've talked about kind of your path coming into this, um, I found out about your podcast and started listening to it because I wanted to get an inside look at uh, your culture and, and what you guys were, were doing to create culture here. And I love the idea of having a podcast as not just something that is for everyone to hear. And, and granted, everyone can hear it because I was able to, to find it, but really the the market or the the niche that you're honing in on is your team who's out there on the road and they're going from store to store and location to location. And these are the guys that are actually communicating your culture to the people working the registers, working uh, all of the different, what is it? The slicers? The oh yeah. Slicers. Slicer, man. Uh, they're communicating the culture to those people and th those people need to know it, but they don't have the opportunity to hear it. So this is something that you created to specifically speak to all of your employees all across the country and it gives a real intimate look and personal look at, you know, the, the different people that run the different operations and that, that influence pretty much everything that goes on in the stores. There's some fantastic stories about Jeff in there talking about what, what he, how he is and his personality. And so I, I think at some point the people listening are going to know you more than they ever could know you. So by the time you actually see them in person, it's like you, you hit it right off because they know that entire history. And the other side of it is when you onboard somebody, mm -hmm. you're like, hey, man, podcast number one is not that great, but tune into podcast number one <laughs> and just listen to it all the way through. You got plenty of time on the road. You're going to hear all this. Or even if you're just an employee that, that wants to become a, a major player in the culture here, this is a great place to start. And it's it's there, it's defined, and it's out there for people to listen to. So talk a little bit about, first of all, presenting an idea of a podcast to everybody else, and then what you've kind of been able to accomplish with it. <laughs> That's good. Good Good question. Solid. <laughs> Thanks, man. That's that, I really appreciate that, first of all. So it, it kind of started, we did a um, kind of a rough time motion study yeah. with some of our multi-unit leaders. So these are folks that have multiple restaurants, uh, either in a regional director capacity or a district manager capacity. District manager has between five, five and seven, and a director can have anywhere from 20 to ultimately 50 that can roll up to them. And a lot of time, I mean, we were trying to figure out how we could best serve, impact them, and eliminate clutter mm -hmm. and eliminate the, the stuff that really isn't adding much value, but we're just doing it because we've been doing it forever. And when this, you know, study came back and we're looking at, it, we're like, Oh my gosh, like the windshield time is, was off the charts. Yeah. And we were just kind of sitting around and I think everybody kind of had the same approach as like, well, you know, they're probably making phone calls at that time. And, you know, they're probably, um, you know, listening to music, maybe it's some unwind, I don't know, but hopefully they're, you know, they're staying productive and, you know, working hard <laughs> still. And, um, so that kind of, again, sat on me was heavy on the heart and thought, man, it, if we could capture that time mm -hmm. and 
turn it into something that's culturally beneficial, that is somewhat of a um, energy recharger, mm -hmm. a compass, you know, connector, mm -hmm. then that would be a huge, huge thing. That would be really, really exciting. But I didn't really have any idea what to do. Mm -hmm. And so I, I listen to podcasts uh, quite a bit. There's some, there's some great stuff out there. And I thought, well, I could, <laughs> I'll give it a shot, you know? And so I didn't know anything. Yeah. Knew nothing. A couple of, you know, well, a lot of mistakes, a lot of uh, boo-boos and just decided to present the idea at our vice president's retreat uh, in December. And so I stood up and, and said, you know, hey guys, I'm, I'm really thinking about doing a podcast that, and I want to focus it on compass. I don't want it to be like corporate announcements and, you know, I don't want it to be a spoken email. Yeah. I want it to be stories about, you know, our employees and it went dead quiet, dead quiet. And I was like, oh man, that's, that's not good. <laughs> and then finally Brett Pratt, our, our president kind of looks up and raises his hand and he goes, Bo, what, what's a podcast? <laughs> and everyone was like, thank you. And so I was like, oh yeah, it's basically an, an audio file that you can go pull at any point in time and listen. Yeah. And so went through that and got it started. And like I said, I'm getting ready to introduce episode 30. Yeah. And it's been really, really neat and humbling. Some of the stories that I've been able to capture mm -hmm. just from doing this, I don't know that we would have this information otherwise. So one of the great things is this is an outlet where people communicate with the show compasscast at gmail.com mm -hmm. and they send stories of things that people are doing. Mm -hmm. So one quick example. Yeah. Go. Um, there's a, there's a kid in, um, his name is Logan Fowler and he's in Concordia, Kansas. Awesome. Awesome. Kid. He's assistant manager for us. And there was an employee there, team member that works two jobs and he, his car broke down. Mm -hmm. That happens all the time with us. And very much, you know, we can live compass by um, being loyal to that individual, knowing that that, you know, is a situation that it's going to be hard for them to overcome. What can we do to step up and help them? Well, we can work with them on their schedule. Um, Logan took it to another level. Um, he got with his brother and they pulled their money together and went and bought the dude a bike and a chain and delivered <laughs> this team member a brand new bike yeah. with a chain so he could get to both jobs uh, and so that he could get the money yeah. to get his car fixed. Wow. And it's like, dude, that that's awesome. Yeah. Like I, that stuff gets me more jazz than, than anything. So that's been the coolest thing about the show. I feel like I get way more out of it, which is not very humble or uh, using our humility core value. Yeah. But the fulfillment that I get is amazing. And so if I can even, this show can impact even a fraction of the way it's, it's helped me, then it is worth every hour that goes into it. That's awesome. Well, big shout out to Logan Fowler in Kansas. Way to go, man. Yeah, we, uh, 
we, we are happy to share your story. And it's awesome that you have really embraced the culture of, of Compass and to the point of actually taking it in action. And so, yeah, that, that's a fantastic story. I'm glad that you were able to share that. And hopefully that inspires other guys that are listening, other guys and girls that are listening to you, to your podcast and, and, and hearing all of this stuff and hearing what the culture is about and hearing about helping develop and, and, and empower other people. That's what it's all about. And it's something beyond just serving roast beef sandwiches. Yeah. It, it goes way beyond all of that. The things that you're learning in the Compass Cast and hopefully the things that you're learning in the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast are things that you can utilize in every single day of your life. I will say this, though. I think that your podcast has been as, as successful as it has been, not because you have a predefined audience or be, because um, you're sharing these amazing stories, but I, I think it's because you have a little game that you play called Finish the Sentence. Finish the sentence. Yeah. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I, that's that's definitely for me the highlight of the podcast at the end because it, it kind of gives you an opportunity to um, kind of see the fun side of people. I yeah. think I think a lot of times you're talking to, was it Sanjeev or Saeed? Saeed. Saeed. You're talking to Saeed. You hear Saeed and Saeed's just this like, he, he sounds very academic. Oh, very, very buttoned up. Yeah. Very, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then you just, you're having these conversations with these people and you, and you get to see the real side of them too. I mean, I think it's, I think sometimes people forget that when somebody gets to like a manager level or a director level or whatever else, they're just real people. They're just, they're just like everybody else. They like to have a good time. They like to let their hair down uh, to a degree, but ultimately they're, they're just people. And so I, I enjoy listening to kind of the response. But one thing I noticed about your podcast is that no one has ever done finish that sentence with you. There's so, a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I would like to take this opportunity as we're wrapping up this podcast to play a little finish that sentence with you. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> I don't have a choice. I don't. Play. All right. I went through some of your questions. I liked them. Um, but uh, we'll start off a little easy. Okay. Uh, one thing most people don't know about me is. One thing people probably don't know about me is I spend probably two and a half to three hours a week listening to Game of Thrones podcasts. <laughs> breaking down the stories, the theories, the characters, all the different houses, all the different kingdoms. So yeah, I'm borderline obsessed. So most people probably don't know that about me. Well, that will be an entirely different conversation that I have with you. Perfect. Um, and uh, I, I, I mean, I'm excited to learn some new stuff about Game of Thrones. That's Great. awesome. All right. Next question. Um, this question is actually inspired by your disc analysis okay. uh, podcast where you uh, tried to identify each personality mm -hmm. of, of a friend's character. The friend's character that I most relate to is? Oh, man. I would say I most relate to probably Chandler. Okay. And I, I think it's because I, I totally get his sense of humor. He's <laughs> very sarcastic. Yeah. I'm really sarcastic. And... Uh, so yeah, I'd probably say Chandler, but just from a sense of humor standpoint, for sure. Okay. Fair enough. If they were to make a movie about my life, the actor that I would want to play me is my grandma was here. She'd be like, Matt Damon, Matt, <laughs> you, Matt, you and Matt Damon look alike. And it's like, grandma, no, we don't. Um, but yeah, I'd take Matt Damon. Oh, there you work. go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying I look like Matt Damon, but just to make patty cake happy. Okay. Fair enough. Fair That's enough. for patty cake. There, there may be a Matt Damon picture in the in the show notes. Yes. Um, my go-to karaoke song is. Oh man, 
I don't do karaoke very often, but maybe like like my go to shower songs. Okay, fair enough. Are all like eighties power ballads sung by women. So <laughs> Pat Benatar, uh, Bonnie Tyler, all of those are little heart. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that just really calls you to dial in to the passion. Uh-huh. Those are great shower songs. I sound amazing in my shower and nowhere else. Nowhere else do I sound. I feel like that answer could have been given for question number one. Yeah, probably. That would have have worked. All right. This is not good. Uh, This is why this doesn't happen. Well, what what our audience doesn't know is that uh, Bo has promised me that I will be on Compass Cast. So I'm yes. sure the uh, favor will be returned. Yes, you U- went first. Ultimately, I, I can't yeah. wait for the questions that I get. All right, I have one last question for you. Got it. Uh, and this one's more tied, tied to the YBT podcast. My message to young business leaders is? My message to young business leaders is to learn right now how to get comfortable being uncomfortable. If you look back at anything that you've done that has really created positive change that has really influenced people that has really made a difference there that came with a certain level of, of discomfort, mm-hmm. anxiety, fear, and that those emotions you can are, are easy to tap into and to recognize. And so a lot of times when I feel those, I know I'm on the right path. Mm-hmm. And so don't run from those lean into those. And so that would be, the advice I would give is to become comfortable being uncomfortable. That's fantastic. I think you've been listening to some of the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcasts because we talk a lot about being uncomfortable and forcing yourself to be uncomfortable because uncomfortability leads to innovation. Mm-hmm. And innovation happens because you see something being done a certain way. And you know that it can be done differently, but in order to make it happen differently, you have to get yourself outside of the way that you've always done stuff. That's that, that comfortability point. So, uh, I love that you said that because that's a whole nother topic right there that I just love to dive into. Um, but anyway, Bo, thank you for taking the time, uh, to speak to our audience, to share your story with us and to tell us about your, your shower music. That's, oh, uh, that was some great information right there, but ultimately having the opportunity to, to have you on podcast number 52, I'm really excited to share this with our audience. Uh, and I'm excited for the next 52 and the 52 beyond that. Um, I have to get myself uncomfortable to find people, um, to talk to the, you know, these conversations don't just happen. They, you know, reaching out to somebody who I believe to be at the pinnacle of success or somebody that I see that's being successful in business. Uh, there's a lot of things that go through my mind in, in terms of that imposter syndrome where I'm just like, man, I, I don't know that this person wants to talk to me. Uh, I just have this little podcast that I record and, and uh, I start to justify all the reasons why they would say no to me and getting yourself outside that comfort zone, taking that risk and putting yourself out there helps you get to that point where you can have not just 52 podcasts, but hopefully 500 podcasts and, and beyond. So, Bo, thank you for being on. And listeners, we'll catch you on the next podcast. Evan, thanks, man. Congratulations. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com.
If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.